Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Van Maren and you are listening to The Bridgehead. Thanks so much for joining us again this week, or if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, welcome and I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Today I want to discuss uh, the legacy of somebody that would have been immediately recognized, you know, even 10, 15 years ago. And of course that man would be William F. Buckley, a man, uh, it was just the, the 10th anniversary of his death actually this week. And William F. Buckley sort of it was a symbol of conservatism for nearly 50 years. William F. Buckley sort of launched the modern conservative movement with the magazine The National Review, which I still subscribe to, actually. I think some of the best conservative writers around today, like Jonah Goldberg and Kevin D. Williamson, are still found at that magazine. Uh, one of my friends, J.J. McCullough, actually uh, just signed on there as a contributor to National Review Online. But when this magazine started off, it was basically a fringe magazine. It's, it's hard It's hard to imagine now because the reasoned commentary of people like David French and Jonah Goldberg is much despised by the, the radical Milo Yiannopoulos fringe of, of today's conservatism and they're constantly accused of being uh, sort of soft and, and, and establishment, whatever that word is supposed to mean these days. But the National Review is, is now considered... Uh, to be an establishment magazine by some, even though when it was first launched, it was really considered to be quite a fringe magazine. And it was launched by William F. Buckley, and William F. Buckley was using this magazine as a way to bring about uh, a conservative movement, to unify a conservative movement, and to inject conservative ideas into the political conversation. He did this fabulously. In fact, the, the more uh, now quite crotchety columnist, who I still very much enjoy, George Will, uh, once joked that without the National Review, there would have been no Barry Goldwater nomination. Without the Barry Goldwater nomination, there would have been no Ronald Reagan presidency. Without no Ronald Reagan presidency, uh, the Cold War wouldn't have ended, and thus uh, Bill Buckley won the Cold War. Obviously, that's a gross exaggeration as well as simplification, but it gives you an idea of the, the sheer status that William F. Buckley still holds in the conservative movement. And since... He's now been, been gone for 10 years. Um, I find myself looking back with nostalgia for a period I never experienced, simply because one of the ways that I, I taught myself uh, how to debate and one of the ways I like to examine issues is going back through the uh, shows on YouTube of William F. Buckley's a famous show, Firing Line, where he would sit down for a full hour with, with nearly every famous figure of his day, and they would just go back and forth they would with with great civility with great wit they would talk about ideas they would tease out each other's points and sometimes they would erupt into savage argument but we don't have something like that anymore i, I wrote a couple of years ago in an article on thebridgehead.ca called why the right is anti-intellectual i actually talked about uh, why a uh, firing line show doesn't exist and there was a few different reasons for that but one of the reasons seems to be there's not as much of a market for something like that anymore people want sound bites they don't want to sit down and watch an hour show although i will say that i have found the rise of dave rubin's show uh quite encouraging simply due to the fact that 
uh, he sits down with 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 people from across the spectrum and has discussions that are an hour or longer and he's he's gaining popularity which shows that a lot of people might be sick of the non-stop 24/7 media screamathon and actually want somebody like Dave Rubin who sits down with hardcore left-wingers radical progressives but also sits down for hours with with Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager and, and people like this so maybe uh, people are uh, more people than just myself are really you know wishing that we had forums where we would watch these discussions and when I say Buckley had everybody on I mean Buckley had everybody on he talked to Margaret Thatcher he talked to Mother Teresa Ronald Reagan Richard Nixon Hugh Hefner Noam Chomsky Norman Mailer uh, Jack Kerouac Allen Ginsberg you name it they were all on his show and they all had to face uh, his flashing blue eyes and his clipboard uh, and, and, and he had friends from across the spectrum simply because he could have those discussions so articulately. Now, of course, William F. Buckley has been gone for, for, for a decade, but I wanted to have a show just sort of reminiscing about him and, and what a central figure uh, he was for conservatism, because I think that it's so important, especially now when, when conservatism is so conflicted and conservatism itself right now is going through a bit of an identity crisis. And so I uh, emailed his son, Christopher Buckley, and asked if he might come on and talk about his memories of his father. I read his book, uh, Losing Mom and Pup, which is a memoir of both his mother and his father, both his mother and his father, his mother being Patricia Buckley, who was actually, uh, believe it or not, from Vancouver, which was a fact I ended up finding out from one of my friends at university when I was attending a, a university in Vancouver. And Christopher Buckley has since moved substantially to the left. So, for example, I agree with Christopher uh, Buckley's sort of scathing analysis of Trump's behavior and a lot of the things about Trump. Uh, then again, I could never, ever bring myself to vote for somebody like Hillary Clinton due to her radical pro-abortion stance. And, and despite uh, all of Trump's faults and despite all of Trump's buffoonery, uh, I can't help but be glad that he is in the Oval Office and Hillary Clinton is not. So um, as... I certainly would differ from, from Christopher Buckley there, although we would agree on a lot of the more aesthetic problems with, uh, with Trump's administration. Uh, Christopher Buckley himself actually is a very renowned writer. He's written a long lineup of, of political satires like Thank You for Smoking, The White House Mess, No Way to Treat a First Lady, uh, Florence of Arabia, uh, Supreme Courtship, uh, and, and quite a few others. He's quite famous for that. He actually worked as a chief speechwriter for, for Vice President George H.W. Bush. He kind of reminds me a bit sometimes in his political views of David Frum who uh, worked uh, for, as a speechwriter for George W. Bush, but has since become a very sort of entrenched, middle-of-the-road uh, Republican who uh, thinks we should all calm down on issues like abortion and voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, and, and for me, that I, I can't quite get over that. And, and Christopher Buckley himself endorsed uh, Barack Obama over John McCain's selection of Sarah Palin as his running mate. And again... Uh, as ridiculous as I thought Sarah Palin was, and the reason I thought she was ridiculous is, is, is fundamentally because she represented social conservative values uh, so incredibly badly. Uh, but at the same time, I, I could never vote for or endorse a man who voted against you know, the Born Alive Infants Act three times. So Christopher Buckley, uh, he actually wrote a column when he endorsed Obama, come to think of it, called Sorry Dad, I'm Voting for Obama. But 
I have to say that uh, Christopher Buckley is is quite a magnificent writer. His book Losing Mom and Pop uh, was a just it was just a beautiful book. One of the things that I really noticed about it was. Uh, it, it, it's hard to write a memoir about a famous father without coming across as, as bitter or sort of dishing out the dirty laundry. Frankie Schaefer did this to Francis Schaefer. His, his book on his father was just quite appalling, even though it was very, very well written. And, and, and the same sort of thing was true about Ron Reagan Jr.'s memoir about his, his father, of course, President Ronald Reagan. And uh, Chris Buckley, in his book... Uh, losing Mom and Pop, I think, sidesteps every one of those landmines and instead writes this very beautiful and tender book about his father. So uh, I was very pleased when I emailed him that he was quite willing to come on and to have this discussion about his father and his father's legacy with me. And hopefully, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with William F. Buckley, this inter interview will just give you a bit of an idea of, of who he was, the kind of man that he was, and, and the role he played in the American conservative movement. If you ever get a chance, just uh, go over to YouTube, type in William F. Buckley's firing line, and watch a few of the episodes. You will in one hour, learn an incredible amount uh, about whatever issue is being discussed. And you'll, you'll, you'll sort of, maybe just like me, become nostalgic for a time when those sorts of discussions were normal, um, even among political opponents. And there wasn't sort of this, you know, screaming, talking heads, insulting each other and calling the other side Hitler. So uh, without further introduction, uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with William F. Buckley Jr.'s son, the talented author and political satirist, Christopher Buckley. First of all, the big question, of course, who was William F. Buckley Jr.? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> for, those, for those of your listeners who have been uh, really asleep uh, these, this past half uh, century, he was, um, well, I suppose you could, he was A, my father, uh -huh. most, most famous for that, of course. But I think, secondly, he's probably... Uh, uh, also famous for having been the founder of the modern conservative political movement. He founded National Review magazine in 1955. And uh, uh, you might say the, the rest is history. That led to one way or the other indirectly to Barry Goldwater. And Barry Goldwater led uh, directly and indirectly to Ronald Reagan. And... Uh, and I, who did not, I hope, lead directly or indirectly to our current commander-in-chief. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, oh, we're so proud. Yeah. I was going to ask you, because uh, I, I read your book, uh, Losing Mom and Pop, and I've wanted to talk to you ever since I read that book. Uh, because it, it was it was honest and, and touching and heartfelt, but I think one of the things that made it remarkable is that it's, not iconoclastic, and it's not bitter as so many books written about fathers and mothers are. Uh, it was it, it didn't sort of uh, paint over any faults, but at the same time, I, I found it very very tender. How did you pull that off? Uh, well, the um, honest and and and, and modest uh, answer, I, 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 at least so I hope it sounds, is I, I don't really know. It it was. I've written 18 books now, and each one has been, you know, uh, for me, uh, uh, heavy lifting, uh, even Sisyphean, you know, pu pushing the 
the proverbial rock up, up the hill only to have it right. roll back down on you. This was the only book of those among those 18 that I would almost say wrote itself. I, I had no plans ever to write a book. My both my parents passed away within uh, slightly less than a year of each other. Um, I, I loved them both uh, deeply, even fiercely, but they were complicated, larger-than-life uh, uh, people. But uh, I never really planned to write that book until one morning, some months, I guess, after my father, who was the second of them to go, and, and just started writing it. And it, um, and it, and it, I re- it took 40 days. I, I, I oddly sort of checked the calendar some sometime later and, and tallied up days. Biblical. And that was, for me, both a, a, a fast uh, book. Most of my books, all of my books have taken much longer than that. I don't intend any, any biblical significance <laughs> by, by 40. But uh, it just, it just, it's just by, by way of saying it kind of poured out. Uh, I, I, I took no notes. It was, you know, I mean, it was a, a memoir, a memoir of, of my life with these two extraordinary people. Ten years down the road from, from the passing of, uh, of your father and your mother, what memory stands out the most vividly to you after the passing of so much time? Well, that's that's difficult, to, a little difficult to say, Jonathan. I, I think you know, I think about them as as anyone would of, of loved, beloved parents. Of, you know, most days, um, I I have you know a, a hundred um, memories. I find myself being asked um, a fair amount, "What would your father have made of?" <laughs> yeah. And you know the modern conservative movement. We've and, all we've all uh, wondered. I, and I I find myself answering. I hope not uh, glibly uh, that I'm I'm glad he's not around to see this this mess that right. descended into this this sort of this inchoate chaos. Uh, it it I uh, Mr. Trump is. I'm also, you know, asked as if, and, and not, and I'm, I'm no arbiter of this, for heaven's sakes. Uh, uh, but I'm off, I, by, by dint of being William F. Buckley's son, I'm, I'm sometimes asked, uh, uh, is Mr. Trump a conservative? My answer is no. I don't think he has any coherent political philosophy at all. Someone, uh, someone in the Times the other day wrote that he has no core principles. He has only core whims. Right. And I think I think that's a, a, a nice way of putting it. I think he is his own his own ideology. I think it's all about him. I don't think he has perhaps ever had a single fleeting thought about um, uh, anything other than himself. I, I think he is a, a platonically perfect ideal of the solipsist, which is to say, the person who is absolutely at the center of his own universe. So I think it, 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 it doesn't really make sense to phrase the question, is he a conservative? I right. don't think he's anything uh, that is easily labeled except a megalomaniacal narcissist. And it scares the, you know, it scares the pants out of me, as it does a lot of uh, Americans, but not that one-third of Americans who... who <laughs> Who elected him? 
and uh, or the apparently the 85 percent of Republicans, my former party, uh, who uh, approve of where things are going. Now we are in uh, truly uh, uncharted waters. I, I used to write political satire. You know, I've written a bunch of. Uh, political, uh, you know, uh, novels, political satires, but I, I've given that up. I've turned to historical fiction because I just don't think there's much point in writing political <laughs> yeah. satires. Yeah, how would you do that I mean, at this point? I, I don't know. I mean, if I if I if I wrote a novel in which I simply recapitulated word for word, event for event, everything that has happened politically in the last year, year and a half, two years, any uh, any. Uh, right-thinking editor, any com- half-competent editor or, much, or book reviewer would surely say, oh, come on, you can't be serious. Right. Uh, so here we are. Satire is being done well, I would, I would add. I think Stephen Colbert, um, you know, John Oliver, uh, those, you know, those venues uh, are, 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 are Saturday Night Live, uh, memorably. Are doing it well, and it may be that uh, there are not, you know, novels are clever, uh, smart uh, novels are are being done about it. But at this point, I would find it uh, not only a challenge but somewhat pointless. Well, yeah, for me, I, I think that the lines between satire and and real life blurred when. Uh, Palin gave her endorsement speech of Trump, and it was mirrored by by uh, Tina Fey reprising her role briefly. And, and you actually had to do a double take to tell the difference, uh, not just because they're they're sort of physically similar, but because of the words coming out of their mouth. You couldn't tell which was which anymore. Well, I think it's interesting that you adduce um, uh, Sarah Palin there, because I think this slide into... Um, into in, into uh, political incoherence and uh, politics as reality TV uh, somewhat began with her, and we have you know, dear uh, uh, valiant John McCain, um, the much derided by Trump, uh, John McCain, to thank for introducing Sarah Palin. <laughs> To the national stage, she was part of the reason that I endorsed uh, Barack Obama back in 2008, which caused me to be to become the I have to use some, uh, a naughty word here turd in the polit- in the conservative punch ball. But because um, you know, I I just I mean I, I I admired many aspects of Barack Obama even as I admired many aspects of, of John McCain, but the thought of putting Sarah Palin within uh, striking, reaching distance of the nuclear button, was, uh, uh, much less the governance of the United States, gave me the most serious case of the heebie-jeebies. Right. And here we are. Here we are. I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't trade Donald Trump for Sarah Palin right now? I mean, she's, she, you know, she's, uh, compared to Trump, she's Hannah Arendt. You know, she's she's That's she's, she's intellectual, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, so uh, so yeah yeah, it's become uh, it's become uh, sort of a reality TV show, and it would it would be funny if it weren't so truly uh, frightening. If it weren't a show, 
if it were to show. Yeah. I'll, I'll narrow down my last question because I, I assume that at some it, it's 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 impossible at this point to talk about your father without talking about what conservatism has turned into, or or I should say at least what the Republican Party has turned into. And just so, because uh, I have the opportunity to talk not just to a political analyst but to his son, and so I, I want a few personal stories about him. What do you miss about him the most? Well, I miss his uh, just about everything. I miss his his wit, uh, his uh, his sense of fun. He was, I think, if you you know, he touched the lives of thousands of people um, almost intimately, and and all of them, I think, would would uh, might uh, uh, might say that the first thing about him was his um, his his sense of fun. He was you know he was he was adventurous. I, I sailed across three oceans with him. I. Um, he, um, uh, you know, for for an intellectual, he he really got out <laughs> right. uh, of the office uh, a lot, and uh, you know, I, I miss his uh, I miss his 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 take on things. I, I frequently find myself wondering, you know, uh, though I though I'm glad he's not around to to uh, to watch this 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 very sad carnival that we seem to be engaged in. I, 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 I sorely miss his, his, his commentary on it. And what, um, you know, more and more, I think, you know, his, his, he, he, he was the host of what was then, I think the longest running, uh, television show, uh, by, with a single host his, his, his show firing line ran from 1966 to 1999. He, he taped something like 1500, uh, uh, episodes. And what's, uh, What's what's uh, increasingly remarkable and admirable about it was the high level of the of the dialogue. He had every you know lefty and commie and the, uh, there was on his show, but and but and he accorded all of them respect. Now he left uh, he left a, a number of them you know bleeding on the mat, but he <laughs> uh, but he took them apart. He took apart their arguments. Uh, not, not themselves. Today, there's an awful lot of commentary on TV. Some of it, some of it, pretty good. A lot of it, sort of shouting, and it kind of reminds you a little bit of the uh, of the mob in in ancient Rome. So I think increasingly, firing line is looked is looked on uh, rather yearningly as as a show that set a, a certain kind of gold standard. And I uh, I don't think we have seen it's it's uh, it's equal yet uh, again that may sound a little bit over pessimistic but well, Charlie Rose dear dear Charlie Rose who had to lay down his microphone uh when he got sort of swept up in the in uh, well in the unfortunate uh, thing and I'm, I'm not apologizing for it, but he was to me the closest thing we had to um you know, um, uh, intelligent, prolonged, rational, analytical examination of, of of arguments, and now and now he's gone, leaving leaving a bit of howling whirlwind uh, mm. in his in its in his wake. And and I, I would agree with you on on uh, on firing line. Of course, I'm, I'm 29, so I never saw it. But at the same time, I I've watched many of the episodes. On YouTube, simply due to the fact that uh, the, the the topics are discussed at 
at such length and with, with such wit that it's hard not to feel nostalgic for a, a time that I was, quite frankly, never even a part of. And one of the things that you mentioned there how, about how things didn't get personal, from, from what I've read especially, and as you know, there's been quite a few uh, books about your father released just in the last couple of years, I'm always reminded in reading about his personal interactions with people, something Martin Amos once said about Christopher Hitchens, which is that his ideology was friendship first. And that sort of reminded me of, of how of how uh, your father is described and, and, and what a happy warrior he was. What happened to the, the happy warrior ethic, the ability to duel ideas without turning the sword on your opponent? Uh, it's 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 a very good question. I think, and I and I'm not sure I have uh, any one good answer, but I would um, I would indict a little bit the the 24/7 news cycle, uh, social media, uh, the internet. It, the we we move now at an at an at a, at a frenzied, almost frantic pace. Um, in the old days, you had, uh, well before your time, young man, we had there were three, three channels. There was one Walter Cronkite and, you know, and, uh, and, and national newspapers that came out in the, you know, in the morning. So, um, so in our, uh, in, uh, there's a, um, we're operating at a very hectic pace. That I think is often the enemy of of, of reasoned reflection. Is there anybody who has is, is sort of filled the void he left behind, not in TV, but I think in written commentary? Um, George Will, of course, writes with a almost delicious contempt of everything around him. And I wrote a column, I believe it was last year, when the book on your father, uh, The Man and His Presidents, came out, uh, talking about how a, a Buckley-like figure is needed again to unite uh, conservatism with the voting base, uh, rather ironically. Is there anybody in your mind that, that holds a candle to what he did? Um, uh, uh, the answer is uh, not really. There are some astonishingly gifted um, uh, I would call them conservatives, right of center uh, writers. Two of them perch on the uh, editorial pages of the New York Times: David Brooks and and Brett Stevens, who I think is the, uh, uh, for my money, the the, the hottest uh, pen in, in town. Right. Uh, uh, George George Will uh, is, uh, it, you know, has. Reached the um, that that stage of his uh, amazing career where he deserves to have, you know, the the word uh, capitalized venerable uh, in, put in front of his name, right, as in right. the venerable the venerable bead. Um, but you know, George George is not a spring chicken. He's he must be well in his in his seventies uh, now, and so he's he's long since attained. Uh, you know, a senior statesmanship. There are, you know, there are um, uh, the, the 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 extraordinary thing about my dad was, if I may, if I may brag, um, and but I, I I brag, and yet it, by bragging, I I, uh, <laughs> I realize how far short of his standard I myself fall. Right. But he was, you know, he started. He wrote. 
he wrote fifty-seven books. He 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 had a uh, he wrote a thrice weekly uh, television uh, a thrice weekly syndicated column. Uh, he had firing line. That's fifteen hundred episodes. Fifteen hundred episodes. He wrote prolifically for uh, every magazine, every publication. He gave uh, you know up to a hundred or more lectures a year. And you know, and he founded a, a a political movement, and he did it. And this is perhaps most poignant and relevant to our own times. He did it by by kicking by excommunicating the kooks, right in uh, in the right wing. He he excommunicated the John Birches. He famously, uh, some years into National Review, he said, "We will not publish." in National Review, anyone who uh, represents or belongs to the John Birch Society, because they are simply uh, beyond the pale of, of, of rational political resource. He, he, you know, he excommunicated the, uh, the Ayn Randians. And by so doing, he created a, uh, you know, we'll call it a, a sort of a, a sensible center, a, uh, where uh, if I may dip into pedantic French for a moment, tous les beaux esprits se rencontrent, where all the beautiful spirits found themselves. You know, a vortex of uh, of, of of smart and uh, well, uh, in, you know, well-intending uh, uh, people uh, could meet, and that you know that led in time to uh, to Ronald Reagan, and so that's that's. Uh, those are good innings. My uh, my dear old dad, dead ten years uh, ten years ago this week, had uh, um, you know had some, had pretty good innings. Plus, he married a dazzling Canadian girl from Vancouver. My my mom. Right. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. And, and here's the question: when you when you describe that kind of output and the amount of time it took on the road, what was it like? To grow up with William F. Buckley as your father. Well, it was great fun. Is the answer? I mean, he he. There, sure, there were. Uh, he wasn't around uh, for certain things, but uh, but how how could he be? You, you know, <laughs> you can't do all that and uh, you know read your Winnie Pooh to your to your uh, uh, to your kid uh, every, every night. Uh, but we were, you know, we were very close. We. Uh, we um, we corresponded. Gosh, in those days, you know, one wrote letters. I have a my correspondence with my father runs to I don't know. It may run to tens of thousands of pages. The most I can get out of my kids these days, who are about your age, uh, good <laughs> lord, how old that makes me feel, is you know, is a, an eight character text. <laughs> That's not going to make for very interesting uh, for a very interesting archive, but um, you know, and we 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 collided. My dad and I. He was an absolute devout Catholic. Uh, I am a collapsed Catholic. We we butted heads hard on 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 that. We didn't always agree on uh, on on, uh, on 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 political political issues, but uh, I am. Uh, you know, I count myself in the uh, you know in the annals of of, uh, of sons uh, to be uh, a very 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 fortunate um, son. I I I, I, I am a t- 
eternally grateful uh, to have had the father that I had. As all these books come out about him, there was a documentary a couple of years back. What do you wish people would remember about William F. Buckley? Well, um, the there have been a, a number of biographies, and some uh, well, uh, not quite biographies, but more I would describe them as books about various about uh, about various aspects of them. Uh, Al- Alvin Felsenberg uh, last year came out with, as you mentioned earlier, uh, a book called William uh, William F. Buckley, a man in his presence. The, the 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 book that I think will be um, the book is uh, being written by Sam Tannenhouse. I've been waiting for that one for years. Well, we all have. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, if you're listening to this, turn off the radio and get back to work. Um, he's, uh, but it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a monster. Uh, I, I, I say monster in the in the, uh, in the in the good sense. It'll be, you know, a big thick, juicy book, the fact that he's, you know, taken uh, 16 years or, or more so far to, uh, he, Sam's been working on other things to be sure, but but he's he's going at his own pace. He, uh, his uh, previous uh, book was uh, a, uh, a, a stunning uh, work, a biography of Whitaker Chambers, who, uh, who, uh, uh, who my, my father knew very well. And so I think that will be, you know, that'll be a, a, a big, a big moment when, when Sam, whenever Sam gets around to publishing. I do, I, I, I tease him uh, lovingly uh, and publicly uh, uh, about uh, taking his time. But you know, good things, um, good things do take time. Um, Since we're talking about the books, and I have you, I'll ask you: Did you read the book Buckley and Mailer? Yeah, no, I've read them. I've read them all. I've, I've read them all, and I've uh, I've I've enjoyed them all. The one thing I didn't uh, do was watch the documentary uh, "Best of Enemies" about his famous clash with Gore Vidal. Right. And I made a decision early on just uh, to po- po- politely to decline participating in it and. Uh, and afterwards, not to watch it. It wasn't, you know, it was far from my dad's most pleasant memory. Right. <laughs> you know? And and I I just I just thought it was uh, perhaps a sort of a way of honoring his memory. I just thought that's not. But I note that it was uh, by all by all accounts very well done. Yes, I reviewed it actually, and I was going to ask you. Oh, was, you? Yeah, you just answered uh, my 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 question on that because some of your friends, uh, the now late Christopher Hitchens, was on it. Uh, Sam was on it. Uh, your uncle was on it. So I was going to ask, what made you distance yourself from the project when all of them were involved? Well, I guess I've already answered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Christopher uh, Hitchens, apropos Christopher, my beloved uh, Christopher, who. Uh, who died? Who left us way too early in 1961? Um, you know, he was at, when he came to America in the early 80s. Christopher was there was not a lot of daylight between Christopher and say Leon Trotsky. I mean, Christopher was a, a Molotov cocktail throwing uh, lefty, 
And guess who gave him his his start on American TV? William F. Buckley. Yeah. Um, who uh, who admired his mind uh, very much. And Christopher, uh, they, I mean, here you had two people of absolute opposite uh, uh, political persuasion, and yet they they respected and and even honored uh, each other. Uh, the most mad I think I've ever seen my my dad was when Christopher decided to go after Mother Teresa, you know, and, and called her the well I can't even remember what he called her, but it certainly Thie- wasn't thieving it. thieving Albanian and dwarf. Thie- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good for you. Uh, I I don't think I've seen Pup matter than um, than that. But and he 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 wrote a note to his producer, uh, his t- the producer of his TV show, saying, yeah, scrolled across the the, the offending column and said, I never want to lay eyes on this guy again. <laughs> but but he couldn't he couldn't quite. He couldn't quite see that through, Pop. I remember not long afterwards, Christopher had written something typically brilliant. Uh, it was a takedown of Jacques Chirac in the Wall Street Journal op-ed page. And uh, Pop said to me with a, a twinkle in his eye, he said, yeah, your friend Hitchens sure gave it to Chirac today. Uh, so, uh, and, and there was Christopher at... Uh, Pup's uh, memorial service at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York in uh, May of 2008. He flew in from uh, some speech gig in, I think, Indiana and, and slipped into, the I think, the last pew. There was just one seat left. And there, Christopher, you know, the famous atheist of our time, was heard belting out with everyone else, he who would valiant be, who <laughs> 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 singing the hymns. So he was, uh, you know, he was very, uh, very fond of, uh, of Pop, and um, uh, and that was, you know, one of the, uh, well, perhaps it was a different time. Christopher, uh, Chris was very much like Pop in that um, he didn't, uh, well, to to uh, to requote, retweet your uh, earlier comment about Mar- uh, Martin Amos. Uh, with Chris, uh, he had uh, he had friends, uh, you know, across the political spectrum, and would that we had more of that uh, today. Now, this didn't mean that Christopher wouldn't cut you off the knees, right? Uh, but he but he did it uh, by attacking your arguments, not the hominem, if you will. One final question, and it's going to be another difficult one to answer because that's what interviewers do, is when, when, you, when you think about William F. Buckley and, and you, you included so many uh, stories in, in your memoir of him, what story kind of encapsulates who he was? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, when I was uh, young, I read uh, Treasure Island. Uh, like everyone else, and uh, I, I became, you know, fascinated with uh, pirates and piracy and buried treasure, uh, age seven or whatever. And he, uh, Pup, Pup had a sailboat. We lived on Long Island Sound, and so one day he uh, he got a chest and filled it with uh, my mother's, uh, unbeknownst to my mother, some of her uh, jewelry and queen and silver, and buried it. Uh, on across on a little island across across Long Island Sound, 
and um, <laughs> and he made a treasure map that you know looked very realistic. I was very excited. We were going to sail across the next Friday. Um, intervening came um, the biggest hurricane of that decade, <laughs> and it completely rearranged the topography of the island and made nonsense of all the clues on the treasure map. <laughs> and there came the moment where he had to explain to my mother, who was looking for her earrings and her Queen Anne silver, <laughs> that he had indeed buried them on, on an island, <laughs> that they would likely never be found again. There, in a way, I think you had encapsulated, you know, the the, the dynamic of the William F. Buckley, Patricia Buckley uh, marriage. But it was a, it wasn't Ozzy and Harriet to refer to a, a, a TV show of the 1950s about a you know utterly normal uh, uh, average American family, but it sure made for good spectators. <laughs> Well, Christopher, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Good to be with you, and uh, uh, my regards to uh, Canada and congratulations. I am half Canadian, after all, and congratulations on all those shiny gold medals. <laughs> thank you so much.